Sparks. What a fortnight it has been. You are listening to the Two Mouths of Doom. Uh, back once again just to have a general conversation about the wrestling business and how well, utterly crazy it is. And uh, with me as always is my good friend Jamie Taylor. Jamie, how you doing today? I'm alright Benji as usual. Uh, we are not going to be talking about the WWE because Jamie's Fuck refusing. WWE. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not We're, talking about that. I need a swear jar, man. Could you imagine how much money we could make in a swear jar? We'd I've be got able... enough money to put money in the swear <laughs> jar. <laughs> I'm putting IOUs in the swear jar. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just have a, a, a long-running IOU then. That'll that'll work. Uh, Unless to... somebody wants to sponsor this podcast. Well, yeah, Ooh. someone should sponsor this podcast, but not the WWE, apparently. No, nah, fuck the WWE. Have you noticed also when people are talking about... I mean, the the big news as we've uh, as we've come on air is uh, John Moxley doing his Talk as Jericho interview. Practically a shoot interview. People are saying it's up there with CM Colt Cabana. Just the ramifications that is going to have for the industry. But spokes on a wheel. Yeah. But as, you know, we'll definitely touch upon that a little bit. More importantly, let's talk about all the good things, though, such as AEW, such as uh, the reveal of Times Up, and also for you, Chris Brooks, uh, Times Death by Roll Up as well. Because Mr. Brooks is off mm-hmm. to Japan. He's going to be competing yes. for DDT on the 15th of next month, next month being June. Um, he is. He's part of the... Uh... The Brit rest exodus to Japan, apparently. <laughs> Drew, <laughs> Drew Parker's gone to Japan. Chris Ridgway's Chris in Noah. Yeah, Chris Ridgway's gone to Japan. Chris Brooks is now going to Japan. Um, but at the same time, they've always said that the WWE isn't a destination for them. And yeah, there's no, so I'm, many I'm happy for them that they're off to Japan and doing things out there. They're obviously they're not going for good. They're going to come back. So it's not not like I'm bitter. I'm not saying like, oh, fucking, they're leaving Brit rest to go to Japan at all. I'm. Don't you talk about my mate Chris like that, mate. Don't you talk about my mate Chris like that. I'm obviously obviously jesting about it. But yeah, I'm like, brilliant. I love that these guys are off to Japan and and doing things out there and a different audience and different people and getting the chance to just do different stuff in a different promotion. It's great for them. And are you familiar with uh, DDT, the promotion over there? Yeah. You couldn't think of a more suited promotion for Chris Brooks to be a part of, could you? No. He's going to fit in there like... Uh, something that fits something, very something well. Something that fits in very well. Like John Moxley in AEW. Oh, I was, I was going to say that myself. <laughs> so look, Chris, uh, awesome, fantastic. I mean, we tweeted about it before. Congratulations. Um, maybe at some point Chris would like to tell us about how it was in Japan if another dirt sheet hasn't already beaten us to the punch. But maybe we'll see. We'll see. Um, keeping on the optimistic buzz as well, we have finally had uh, that t-shirt company yeah. doing their uh, big pay-per-view. Must be must be some good t-shirts. Oh, uh, well, come on now. They've, they've got a Mox shirt. They've got a Jericho shirt. They've, yeah, they've got, got all sorts shirt. going on, you know. Um, AEW's Double or Nothing. We also had Starcast over that weekend yeah. as well. Um why bother talking about WWE when we can focus on something a lot more optimistic that was Double or Nothing? Yeah. And um, I thought it was a great show. You said that you weren't going to... You I, thought, know, I thought it were a great show. I'm just... You weren't going to ask gonna, not, like, to the point, you know, there are bits and pieces that you would have liked to have seen. Yeah, I'm not going to suck AEW. I'm not going to suck AEW dick and come out here and say that it was fucking perfect just mm. because it's obvious how much 
I don't like WWE. I'm not just I'm not going to come out and say they were perfect. It, it won't. It were a good show. It were better than probably anything we've seen from main roster this year. But I don't think it were better than NXT. So, but NXT is is just a different. It's just a different yeah. level altogether, isn't it? They're established now. I think if you give AEW 12, 12 months to 18 months, they'll be putting on the same level of shows as NXT and, and things like that. It's Obviously, NXT's been going on long enough now for, for there to be storylines and for you to get invested in it and, and more and more invested in the matches and why they're happening. That was the first pay-per-view. They've obviously built it up with the road to double or nothing and, yeah. and the reason for the matches, but at the end of the day, it was still the first pay-per-view, so... Could it have been a different story, Jamie, if they had a, a televised product leading into Double or Nothing? I mean, you mentioned that they've got Being the Elite, uh, Cody's also got the Nightmare Family, mm. and there's a there's a whole host of YouTube-style uh, programming, but would it have benefited a little bit more if it did have, say, Tuesday Night Dynamite or a televised product leading into it, perhaps? Yeah, I think if the divide six or even three months three to six months of weekly tv leading into double or nothing that it'd probably been a little bit better because some of the things that we, we will touch on it but i mean some of the things like the commentary and stuff like that it had just been they'd have been in the floor they'd have been doing it for three to six months so they wouldn't you know they'd have been more on board more yeah. used to each other and, and their style of working and, and stuff like that and the one thing that did sort of it came across as if these three guys had never met each other before, before they yeah, sat down so, to do a commentary. I mean, the commentary so. was definitely something that a lot of people picked up upon. Yeah. There were some really great reviews for Excalibur. Excalibur, Excalibur were brilliant. He, he carried them through. Um, Excalibur were by far the best guy of the three. Alex Marvez, I've never heard of him before, but I'd, I'd, I don't want to say anything bad against him, because like I said, I've never heard of him, so no. I don't know what he's like, but from, what, from Double or Nothing... Is is not the right person for me. It's, it's just a bit boring. He's got no charisma. Everything sounds dull. It's pretty strong, though, that people are comparing him to Micah Danley. Yeah. Which is, mm. no one deserves that. No. Not even no Micah Danley deserves that. No Micah one deserves that. If any of you are football fans, he sounds like Danny Murphy. When oh, Danny Murphy God. commentates, he sounds as if that's the last place he wants to be. And someone's forced him to commentate on this football match. That's what Alex Marvez sounded like. Someone forced him to watch Double Lord Othin and commentate, yeah, and he'd rather have been somewhere else. Yeah, but to be fair, man, at least Alex Marvez smiles when he's on camera. Danny Murphy it just doesn't look like he wants to be there, like you mentioned, full stop, even when he's on camera. Yeah, you know? true, true. Even when they're talking about Liverpool. No, yeah, true. It just doesn't, yeah, you know. He's mm. not as boring as James Milner, apparently, though. No. And, and JR. JR. He had his moments. I think it's, it's rust, isn't it? Yeah. You know, in ring guys. We talk about ring rust when they come back. So it, it's probably going to be the same for commentators. I know he did some stuff with New Japan, but he has been out for a while and he's coming back to sort of doing it full time. So well, he, it was yeah. just a bit rusty. Well, he got slated also for his New Japan stuff. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, JR needs to become a, a bit more kind of savvy when it comes mm. to the storylines and the talent. Uh, it's yeah. unfair to expect them to know everything and what they're planning on doing i think that's the way it came across that he hadn't really done a lot of research into who these guys were or where they'd come from and that sort of stuff and that were unfortunate for someone as good as jr yeah i mean for me someone who's like 30 31 years old now in 2019 yeah 
your maths is any good, you'll work out that I grew up in the Attitude Era. So, JR commentating, wrestling, is that is wrestling to me. Yeah. Like, that's me as a kid. Like That voice commentating on a wrestling match is great. But now, as an older, an older man now, and to sort of understand it a bit more and kind of realise that he hasn't really done his research and he's sort of half-assed it a little bit. We're a bit disappointing because it was great to hear JR back. But but man, when he when it worked with JR, especially the yeah. schmoz when Mox came out at the end of the show. Yeah, it as, as it went so on, good. as it went on, JR got better. I think when the change was after the, the Joshi match and the, the Dustin-Cody match, those sort of last three matches were when it really sort of developed into this is a really good show now. Yeah, JR got a lot better, and he seemed to get into his flow again and stuff like that. It was just the, all the bits before when it were a bit more of the unknown wrestlers. He kind of did it. You could tell he didn't know who these people were. I mean, we'll go over it a bit more. But so, yeah. when Super Smash Brothers turned up, and he actually said, "I don't know who these people are," yeah. <laughs> like that way to get these guys over. Like at least. I, even then, though, because Excalibur didn't put him over or anything, no, and thought, that were really poor from commentary. But then part of me does think that Excalibur knows who they are because he booked Super Smash Brothers yeah. in, in Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, but how much trouble would they be in with Nintendo? Because Nintendo mm. come down hard on copyright as well, as yeah. many YouTube creators will tell you. And the moment that they go, oh, Super Smash Brothers, that's them... Hello, we're Nintendo of America. Yeah. You might want to stop that right now. So perhaps but, it was a bit difficult for that, I mean, especially they, when the crowd they were they also chanting, the name, who are you? Who are you? Yeah, but that's what I mean. They could have changed the name, given him a new name. Obviously, Moxley hasn't turned up as Dean Ambrose. No. He's turned up as Moxley. So, you know, we knew that it was Super Smash Brothers. Like I was sat watching it going, it's the Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Say it's the Super Smash Brothers. Why, why are you letting the crowd chant, who are you? Like this... You, You've done the whole lights out, lights back on thing, which is massive in wrestling. Yeah. And you're getting a reaction of crowds going, who are you? And on commentary, they're saying, you don't know who these guys are. That fell really flat. And that were really bad at that point. I felt I was like, this is, that's a bit cringy that, that your commentators aren't putting these guys over. I mean, even for me being an indie wrestling fan as well, there was a couple of names, even in the 21, mm. uh, you know, Casino Battle Royal, yeah. there's a couple of names I wasn't familiar with. But what was great is that everybody, you know, got their shit in, to quote Brian Cage. And yeah. those people that ended up getting their shit in, brilliant, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we're talking about everything. We'll go in chronological order. We'll talk about the 21-man uh, Casino Battle Royal. Uh, it'll be exhaustive to just go through everybody that appeared. But mate, yeah. some of the highlights for me were um, the exchange... I mean, Jim Havoc... What mm. a coming out party the North American audiences he had yeah. on Saturday night, you know, because not only was he involved in the 21 man battle royal, um, he squared up and did some stuff with a stapler gun to both Joey Janela, who is a popular pseudo deathmatch wrestler in America, but he yeah. also against such an icon as Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. So to, to be given quite visible spots during a, a battle royal. Well, they must have a lot of faith in Jimmy. And then for him to come out later on in the show in yeah. a segment with Luke Perry's son, yeah. Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy yeah. uh, and MJF and Bret Hart 
Fucking Jack Whitehall. What a sell all about, <laughs> man. He's friends with Tony Khan, isn't he? So he uh... I didn't mind Jack Whitehall. I didn't realise Jack Whitehall was a bit of a wrestling fan, but he didn't ham it up either, which I enjoyed the most. Yeah. I kind of expected him to, you know, do something kind of, oh, I'm goofy. But no, Being he sort was... of Jack Whitehall. Yeah, but yeah, he was but... quite respectful. I mean, him <laughs> to be in the ring with Bret Hart must be a mark-out moment for him oh, as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Havoc got his, had some amazing kind of spots uh, during the, the final, final four as well. He so. did indeed. So they must have some stock. Yeah, invested. I, I in thought it was pretty good with what they did with Jimmy. Um, some of the other guys in there. I think that the beginning of it felt a little bit. I think it was probably like the first match. One, it it was, it was the very first match. Yeah. It had literally just gone on air. Like we've said, it's the first pay per view, so there's there's gonna be teething problems. And I'm going to allow teething problems. Yeah, of I'm, course. You know, I'm not going to be a, a fucking smark and be like, oh, well, you should have had all your shit together before. Because there were a little bit... There were production issues. I know when, uh, again, Alex Marvez, I don't know if anybody picked up on it, but he said when the diamonds come out before the card was actually drawn. So yeah. he, he kind of revealed who were coming out next before we actually were supposed to know who were coming out next. When they were talking about Orange Cassidy being the 22nd card in the deck, but yeah. no, because he came out and he just sat yeah, down just and walked around the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, again, when the diamonds actually got drawn, um, what's, his, what's his face? The announcer that they've... Oh, Justin Roberts. Justin Roberts, yeah. that's it. Justin Roberts announced the diamonds and then it were about 30, 45 seconds before someone actually showed up. <laughs> so again, it were like... So there were obviously teething problems at the beginning. It there were there were only one elimination, I think, before like all twenty one people were out. So it did get a bit crowded at one point. I'm not saying you have to, you know, you have to do sort of the WWE thing of an an elimination every sort of thirty seconds to to keep the crowd thin. Yeah. And if you want to have everybody in at the same time, you can. It just felt the beginning bit felt. A little bit like they didn't really know what was going on and nobody knew the rules. And then as the match sort of went on, you could tell everybody kind of got the shit together and, and, and got going with things and, and then started to have the little back and forths between between yeah. certain wrestlers in there and have the spots and things like that. I which, mean, which we, good. we had our first surprise, which was Sean Spears. Yeah. Uh, formerly Ty Dillinger. He mm. looked great. Yeah, and I don't mind that he ended up putting over, um, you know the, the oh, what's that? Is it Mark Quinn? Uh, the, the double amputee. Oh, uh, Dustin Thomas. That's the one. Dustin Thomas. Yeah, there's, um, and it was sun, were it Sunny Days that eliminated Sean Spears in the end. Um, yeah, that's right. I mean, Sunny Days had a pretty good run because he also eliminated Michael Nakazawa. Yeah, who was the very first. He, he was the first one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had Glacier. Yeah, he had a nice little spot, <laughs> didn't he? So, in it. Um, MJF, but we'll touch upon MJF a little MJF, bit later yeah. on. Uh, I really, really, and I'm glad because he's now officially all in with all elite wrestling. Mm. Luchasaurus, Luchasaurus, former yeah. Judas Devlin. Yeah. I was really, really, really impressed with, with his outing. Yeah, because it's it really good. It's a gimmick that you think, ah, oh, this might be a bit hokey. He's a giant dinosaur luchador. Mm. But it worked, and it the... does work. And again, I think without wanting to, you know, I don't want to fall into this thing of, of shitting on WWE. But no. again, it's the way that it was presented, because he wasn't presented as a piss take, hokey. Oh, I'm a dinosaur. You know, he, he wasn't fucking crawling around in the ring and roaring at people. He's no. just a guy in a mask. He wasn't Brodus Clay. Yeah, that so, was yeah. So it's that's... like yeah, you call Luchasaurus and you're wearing a dinosaur mask, but. 
you're a guy in a mask at the end of the day, and you're wrestling, and you're doing some decent wrestling moves, so... Um, no surprises, Adam Page was the Joker in the pack. Yeah. I think that, that were... It killed it a little bit. I think as soon as Adam Page came out, it were kind of... Well, Adam Page is winning. Because of what happened with the whole pack and Hangman Page match being cancelled yeah. and, and things like that. So I'd have liked it if they'd have sort of teased Adam Page winning and then done maybe a bait and switch just to say, you know, it's not predictable. But I don't know. Maybe, but, but, know, but then sometimes but, the most obvious answer is the best answer. Yeah, some, sometimes it is. but And it's going to lead on to Hangman versus Jericho. Yeah. Which, I mean, it got him into the same position that he were going to be in after Double or Nothing anyway. Yeah. Which, so, way, which then makes you wonder, well, what would have happened if the pack page match did occur? But then, having said that, all reports were that Pac was meant to be winning that match and then going on and jobbing out to Kenny Omega. And, mm. I, you know, this is referring to dirt sheets. I'm sure that the Young Bucks and the booking committee, you know, Cody and everyone might have had different plans. Yeah. But... You know, you're right, It's it was a different path that they took, but eventually led to Adam Page being yeah. officially the first person that will challenge for that absolutely gorgeous AEW belt as well. Yeah. I like yes. that. It looks like a boxing belt. It does. It just legitimises it as this is going to be treated as a sports affair rather than yeah. the dumpster fire that uh, we won't talk about <laughs> the WWE. Um, it's, it's nice. Yeah. I don't think it's the nicest belt ever created. Well, that's no, what that's Cody said. Big gold belt. WCW, I, I don't even man. think the big gold belt was that nice. I, I personally, I don't like the belts when it's all gold. Like everything on it is gold, because from a distance it just looks like a big gold plate with no discerning features on it or anything like that. But like one of those gold chocolate coins you'd get from the shop. Yeah, <laughs> I like the 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 winged eagle is one of my favorites. Oh yeah. Because it had, it had just, there were bits of, there were gaps in it where you could see the black leather. So the black came through, sort of discerned the gold bits of it a bit more. And then you had the globe, which had the blue bits in it for the sea and, and stuff. So it just looked, oh, the smoking skull belt. Yeah. That nice. were nice. But yeah, it's nice. I'm not going to say it's not, it's not a nice belt. But put my personal sort of preference with belt or, or the titles or the championships, whatever, is if they're all gold. They're nice. It is nice, but it's not. It's not the nicest. Um. After that, we had Kip Sabian, uh, Brit Rez representing, mm. uh, beating Sammy Guevara. Yeah, that were a really good match. I thought. I thought it were a really good match. Introduced Kip Sabian to sort of an American audience. Sammy Guevara again, young, really young talent who's obviously going places. You can tell he's got a lot about him. Yeah. And. Keep Sabian as well, exactly the same. He's got a lot about him. And them two are going to have, I think, a really good sort of time in AEW and, and get some decent storylines and get some decent exposure out of it and be made to look good and things like that. But I think for their pre-show match... It, yeah, I was going to say, like, what we're talking about pre-show matches as yeah. well, you know, that, yeah. that have substance about them. It yeah. wasn't just kind of, oh, we'll just chuck this because we've got no space on it elsewhere. Mm. It, it legitimately made me want to buy the pay-per-view because I ended up watching the pre-show the buy-in on ITV4 yeah and uh, after that I was like yeah do you know what I am gonna give this a bit of a shot because mm. you could not illegally stream that for the life of you no Turner and uh, you know Bleacher Report came down hard on that kind of stuff you yeah. know uh, but they'd have to because it's a brand new property that they've invested in yeah um, 
Then we move on to the main card. Uh, SoCal Uncensored uh, beat Stronghearts with uh, Shima T-Hawk and L. Linderman. Um, mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed that match because, I mean, I grew up and I, I used to collect Japanese wrestling tapes mm-hmm. and it was very reminiscent of a Dragon's Gate match, you know, the yeah. fast-paced trios, you know. Um, at one point, everybody's cleared the ring. They isolate one wrestler and all three just come out with some mad kind of combination. Um, if AEW wants to kind of showcase OWE and a, the different kind of wrestling that you can expect to see from the product, that was a fantastic way to open up the pay-per-view. Yeah. And uh, I do, do love Best Meltzer ever. Yeah. It's a very good move. But yeah, it is a fantastic move. I was quite surprised that SoCal like, actually won. I thought that have had OWE win. To, to sort of push that that partnership with them. Yeah. And just say, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's the strong arts. Look, there we go. They won. Get you a bit more interested. So I don't think it it didn't sort of do anything negative to them, though. No. It didn't look like it buried them because the strong arts came of that looking, they, they came out of that looking really, really strong. Oh, Al Linderman was MVP in that bout yeah. as well. He's a strong boy. Yeah, he is a strong boy. He is a big strong boy. So yeah, they came out of that looking fantastic. SoCal obviously showed again everybody what what they're about and what they do. Three kind of different styles that all gel together really well. Scorpio Sky is is like the ricochet of AEW. Yeah. So he's just fantastic, uh, and like you say, Chima T Hawk. And and Al Linderman, they all had their own little spots as well. They all had the the three men working together spots and and isolating uh, Christopher Daniels and, and beating him down. And then it it was just a fantastic match way to open it. And 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 again, it were even though it was six man, it were tag. It were tag team. Yeah. So that they opened it with a tag team match that said, "This is what our tag division is going to be like." Well, I mean, that's what uh, Matt and Nick want to emphasize mm. on from their side. Their creative input into the companies. They want to uh, really push tag team wrestling because they feel that it's fallen off the map a little bit. When we get to the tag team match, mm. man, they have really started something pretty strong if they're looking to build a very solid yeah. tag division. Um, Christopher Daniels, 49 years of age, never looks like he's going to miss a beat as far no. as I'm concerned. You know, Ridiculous for someone who's 49 <laughs> years old. I mean, like I'm 36 now and I, I wish I could do half the things that he could pull off, you know. <laughs> Um, we had the first uh, women's match. Yeah. Uh, we had, uh, it was uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, Nyla Rose, yep. transgender wrestler as well. So, you know, wrestling is ultimately for everybody. So that's awesome. Um, Kylie Ray, yep. who Cody threw a bit of shade right. towards, um, not, yeah, no, it would have been Bailey, wouldn't Bailey, it? Bailey, yeah. Don't know what that was all about, but. But then we had our second surprise, which was Brandy Rhodes coming out in her wrestling gear. Yeah. Everyone expecting her to get involved. And no, fuck, we got awesome calm. Yeah, man. so I thought that was brilliant. It, it was good that she came out in a wrestling gear. Um, I thought that was fantastic. Because again, everybody were everybody thought that she was going to inject herself into the match and, and, be, and sort of go down the whole sort of Steph McMahon role type thing of it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm in charge, I'm the authority, I'm gonna put myself in. Um and then but she taught she she teased it a really good way as well. She said, like I said, I wanted this to be a great match. Um I don't want it to be a great match, I want it to be an awesome match. Yeah. 
and then obviously the music came on and, and, and Awesome Kong came out and it's brilliant to see Awesome Kong back in wrestling. Uh, if you've watched Glow, you'll you'll recognise Awesome Kong from Glow. Um, but yeah, she looked... I mean, she were really there just for the pop. She didn't really do much in the match. I wondered how JR would feel mm. because uh, in the past there were problems between... Uh, awesome Kong and JR when JR was involved in um, talent yeah, and then you know when Awesome Kong came in as karma and there's a bit of argy-bargy but that's backstage stuff that I'm sure Meltz will probably if not he's if he's not reported on it already he probably will do soon yeah uh, Britt Baker won with her boyfriend's finisher yeah that were so it were a bit the thing with Awesome Kong it were, it were a little bit weird because Everything in the lead up has all been about Nyla Rose and that she's sort of the beast of the di- of the uh, division, the women's division, and she's going to be like the big powerhouse that people are going to have to go through. And then you brought awesome, and then before you kind of even got a chance to see Nyla Rose as this impactful beast that yeah. she is, you brought Awesome Kong in. It was like twice the size, and makes Nyla look tiny. So again, I told you, I'm not going to suck the dick. I'm no, gonna, no, I'm no, gonna call them fair, out where no, they... that's fair. So, again, so you've kind of put someone over as a massive beast and then brought someone in that makes her look tiny and nothing like a beast. But could you imagine the Hoss fight between Nyla and Awesome Kong? And if Awesome is there to put Nyla over as a legitimate monster? I think that might be the way that they're going in future. I could see him doing that, like using Awesome Kong to put Nyla over. But I think, again, just with what we've seen, it's probably one of those matches that would have been great ten years ago. Yeah, you know them two having a like you say a proper hoss fight about it ten years ago. It'd have been fantastic. Awesome Kong now. Can she really go that much? Is she going to be able to do pull off like a twenty minute match, a fifteen minute match even, or is, is it going to have to be a slow one? Which ultimately I'll get Nyla over. Yeah, which we all probably expect anyway. But we'll have to see how it plays out. Absolutely. Now, if I remember correctly, we ha- we did have a god awful backstage segment. Oh well, no. I think it was slightly before then. I just I know that um Kylie Ray was backstage with is it Alicia oh, Ratoon, yeah. and then you had uh two librarians come out, the former yeah, Blue yeah. Pants. Uh, then you uh, what? Petey Avalon. Yeah, and two playing the. I blocked the, that out because ooh. that were a bit yeah. That's off uh, the, the librarians off. Um, it's something from being the elite, isn't it? Is it something off that? I believe so. Yeah. I don't watch it. What, Being the Elite? Yeah. Uh, I've seen bits. so much of it that I can't keep up with it at times, yeah. you know? It's nothing against it. It's no. just I've never wa- I've never started it, so I don't I don't watch what's going on all the time. So I know it's something... It's kind of something that's been going on on Being the Elite. Yeah. Someone of who... Because I've seen things on Twitter saying, like, who's going to be the librarian and who's the librarian and stuff. So it's obviously something from that that they've just brought in just to have a little bit of a of an arc to be in the elite but I think that might have been pre-show that segment now I think about it I hope it was because yeah, I it, think was it was just actually but it were, it were just a bit iffy man it was a bit hokey yeah like it, we were kind of like we don't need that we want serious unless that was a very uh, meta-referential jab towards the WWE it might have been because you know there was quite a few jabs but you know at the end of the day Triple H during his uh, Hall of Fame speech yeah. Kind of dicked on them, so you know. Yeah. Bullets, you know, shots fired. 
We'll expand on that when we get to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, do we have to go? We have to talk about that bit, don't we? Um, tag team wrestling: uh, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta against Angelico and Jack Evans. Mm-hmm. Oh, for a start, what the hell was Angelico wearing? Oh, I don't know. Angelico like wears some weird it stuff. Was like a fucking weird BMX outfit, man. He yeah. looked like a motocross racer, you know. I like Angelico. His in-ring style ah, is brilliant. Get... Like, I, I, what he does in the ring is fantastic. He's a great wrestler. Honestly, his look and his attire is... I don't know. It's just weird. It's not, uh, he's got like a massive comb over. His fringe starts at like his one ear, yeah. and he goes all the way over to the other one. And then, and then, like you say, he wears like some weird stuff, like full sort of long sleeved, everything covered up. I'm not saying I want to see blokes walking around like topless, but it just looks a bit. I've no in in Angelico's case, I really would a good looking guy, and I have no problem seeing that man topless. But mm. I man, Jack Evans. Yeah. Still doesn't look like he's Mr. B either, you no. know. He hit that incredible spot where he leapt off of, I believe it was Trent Beretta's back when Trent yeah. was up in a fireman's carry and then moonsaulted over the top rope into Chuck E.T. Yeah. Um, everybody got spots and nobody looked bad in defeat, you yeah. know. They all looked incredible. We had the nod to Akada when the best friends hugged and the camera panned out very suddenly yeah. which was a very nice touch um, best friends went over with I don't know what they're calling it in AEW it used to be called the strong zero back in Japan mm. um, lights went out before everyone could hug it out came back on the artists formerly known as the Super Smash Brothers were in the ring yep. lights went out again then they came back on I don't know what the hell all those minions. minions. I don't want to call them minions because they just remind me of those yellow things from Despicable Me. But they laid waste. And then if you've never seen the Super Smash Brothers before, uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, their tremendous event, it was a triangle tag team match between the Young Bucks, Future Shock, which was Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, and the Super Smash Brothers. Mm. Fantastic match. It's on YouTube, but then go to highspots.com and, yeah. and get it properly there, you know. Um, and the Bucks have worked with Super Smash Brothers before. Yeah. Good to see that any visa troubles have been sorted out. But you're right, you know. Well, I think we are talking about it off-air, and we, were talk- we touched upon that a little bit earlier on as well. Mm. It was kind of infuriating that nobody on commentary either wanted to say who they are because of Nintendo maybe mm. going hard at them for copyright infringement or it just got to the point where the crowd didn't know what was going on. They popped when yeah. Super Smash Brothers hit the fatality move. They popped just as hard when that throne was made for Evil Uno. But That was fantastic. If you're a viewer at home though, yeah, these guys look like a threat, but yeah, the overarching but... question is going to be, yeah, but who the hell are these two? Yeah. Because obviously the guys in the arena were... The fans in, in the arena were obviously... Who who are you guys? Like you said, they started chanting, who, who are, are you? you? Who yeah. are you? Um, but obviously they wouldn't have heard commentary. So it's, it, us watching it at home, watching it on TV, we could hear the commentary as well. So like I said, that's when... I don't know whether it was JR or Alex Marvez or one of it, but someone literally on commentary said, I don't know who these two people are. <laughs> yeah. it was like, are you fucking serious? I really <laughs> hope it's not JR. I'm going to have to go back and revisit the replay. Um, on ITV Wrestling, which just on a side note, 
they did a fantastic job, ITV, just mm. promoing the hell out of this show. Oh, yeah. They're taking this property very, very seriously, aren't they? Yeah. ITV have taken it really seriously, and, and you can tell that the it's not um, it's not a world of sport. It's not a Saturday afternoon, primetime well, UK. Well, it's, it's not new school world of sport. I mean, yeah, new school back world in the of sport old, terrible. Back in the old day, you know, with... You know, all the classics, you know, like Regal, like Kendo Nagasaki. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, Dave Finley. Traditional, when it was called All In Wrestling. Yeah. Um, but then when they tried the revamp, it didn't work. Jeff Jarrett was involved in it. Last surprise, year, surprise why it didn't work. Last year, wasn't it, when they brought it out? And, and I mean, they had some great people on there. Will Ospreay were involved on the roster and, and other people. But it just looked... It, it came across really cheesy. It was like World of Sport finished in the 80s and it almost felt like ITV just picked it up in the 80s and just carried on in 2018. It, it was, it was, and wrestling's meant to be tongue in cheek. Yeah. Ultimately, as much as me and you bang on about we want reality and grittiness and stuff like that, it's meant to be a lot of fun, but it felt like ITV, when they did the World of Sport reboot, went, let's just be really ridiculously it cheesy like about it. That's that is a like, bang on comparison. It felt like gladiators. It was there were too many camera cuts, and it were it were that it were family Saturday prime time, six pm. Sit down with your family and your kids and watch World of Sport wrestling, and it were that's not no. wrestling in twenty nineteen. <laughs> like, or it might be to some people. I mean, like my daughter might enjoy watching that type of thing, or I think. But I think for us as adults, it were like this is not a. But like, I'm glad that ITV are taking it seriously because the other dalliance that they had with wrestling was that god awful celebrity wrestling that they had. Yeah. That was I like Jack Osborne as much as the next person, <laughs> Jamie man, but I don't, I don't want to see him wrestle. No. You know. And well, but it's good to see that with this, they've they've kind of taken it really seriously and they're saying that no, this is this is a serious company and this is actual. The, the, these are rivals. These are a big deal. So they're going to be. Yeah, I think that it's better that ITV are dealing with it seriously. Yeah, man. Like we talked about in our previous podcast as well, it's exciting time for you know to be a wrestling fan, even if you want to get into wrestling now, because ITV four by September October will be having Tuesday Night Dynamite. Yeah. Uh, Channel five. I've been re- watching Impact on Channel five mm. as well, and for a company that felt like it was damaged beyond repair. They're making little strides here and there. It's good to see them. It's good yeah. to see. I think doing with Impact, well. I don't think Impact are ever going to get really, really good. I don't think they're going to become like a main player. No. But I think with what they've got at the moment on on Channel Five, because I've been watching it as well. Before, especially in this sort of period of time, like with AEW started, but the TV deal hasn't really started. And if you want to watch, you know, decent weekly TV, you can go and watch Impact because it's not. It's not fantastic, but it's not WWE. But it's bullshit. it's it's free wrestling. Yeah, you don't have to pay a Sky Sports. Channel no, no, or you can yeah, you can get it for free. You can get it. I've, I think I text my mates about it in in his little group chat we got that said if you've got Fire TV, I say this to everyone: if you've got Amazon Fire TV, just download the My Five app. That's I mean I've got it on my PS4. Yeah, so if you've got PS4 or Fire TV or Xbox, I'm assuming anything that you can get that on, just download the My Five app. You can watch it through that. I mean, I don't know if I... No, it is tr- legitimate. WWE is leaving Sky. 
Yeah, they're going to BT, BT Sport. Sport because of BT Sport lost the UFC. No, BT Sport also have the UFC, don't yeah. they? So what is Sky going to do without this massive wrestling product? I don't think Sky really care. In all honesty, uh, I don't I mean, think they caused the fucking stink about the network though. That was the reason why it took so long to, mm. you know, to appear in the United Kingdom because of television rights. Yeah, but I I just think now they've got to a point where. Are they really bothered? Because they said the replays that are on are only about an hour. So they cut it down to an hour and yep. cut a lot out. And then it's on live. For us in the UK, Raw's on live at 1am in the morning. So nobody's watching it live. I mean, that's another thing. That or, or you, you're only going to have very, very small numbers actually staying up and watching Raw live. Well, I mean, like, like the simplest thing, one of the biggest things that got people, that got eyes on the pay-per-view as well... It was a Saturday night that they showed the pay-per-view. Yeah. You didn't have to worry about waking I wanna, I up and checking the work. As a British person, I want to say that it was fucking brilliant yeah. to have a, a massive wrestling pay-per-view on a Saturday night well, and in, not have to book the day off work. In, a, in Australia and New Zealand, they could watch it like either mid-morning or in the afternoon. Yeah. You, I used to do the same with Ring of Honor pay-per-views, you know? Yeah. Um, and they really pushed home about... ITV being involved with it during the pay-per-view so mm. they know that there's a big British market for it and they're pushing quite hard for it so. yeah I've seen reports of Tony Khan saying that he wants to they want to actually try and run live pay-per-views over here so they'd start at 8pm UK time and they'd be on 3pm in the afternoon in America live which are just like American football you know it's like American sports yeah. you know that's yeah. if that's on on a, a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening towards Saturday afternoon in America, it won't interrupt the American football, which is on on a Sunday night yeah. in America. So if, there's no reason why American fans can't watch it. And if American fans moan about it, like, what, once a year? Like, they might have one pay-per-view a year over in the UK. And we watch... We've been watching pay-per-views at 1am. Since since the dawn of In Your House. Since I can remember. Like that. Yeah. I used to get up at, at 4.30 in the morning when I was in high school. Yeah. At like 11 years old, 12 years old. I used to get up at like 4.30, 5am, record it, and then get up at 5am, just as it finished. Yeah. And then watch it before going to school. Well, I mean, like because, I remember... Because in... every, all kids did it, so it would... It, there'd have been spoilers. Yeah. Like, my mates would have got there and said, did you see who won the Royal Rumble in 1999? Did you see The Rock win the Royal Rumble and what happened and everything like that? And we'd been like, I have to get <laughs> up at five o'clock <laughs> to watch it. Otherwise, either that or it's stay up till 1am at morning. So, yeah, American res- American live wrestling, like it's not the friendliest thing for British people. No, it's, it's really not. And it's not the friendliest thing for American audiences from the sounds of things, you know, like yeah. pay-per-view on a Sunday evening. And it's I know Sunday's a big day for sports in America, but yeah. even they, you know, especially if it's a six-hour show like WrestleMania, yes, it cuts it, it goes past midnight. Yeah, and then you've got to get home, and then oh, I've got work the next day, you know. And yeah, if you've been to a music festival, and and you've got to go to work the next day, you're not exactly in in the sprightliest of moods, are you? It's seven o'clock on the East Coast. Something like seven or eight o'clock, depending on which one it is, on like the East Coast in America that they'll start. So. You know, if it's seven o'clock, well, five hours is midnight. We know that WrestleMania was seven and a half hours. Oh, don't we? Don't so that's, so that's 2.30 in the morning. So it's finished at 2.30 a.m. on a Monday morning. So more Saturday night pay-per-views. Yeah, Saturday night pay-per-views are the way more forward. More of that. Um, 
we got another six-man tag, six-woman tag team match. A uh, bit of a showcase for Joshi Wrestling. Yeah. Good showcase as well. We had uh, Hikaru Shida, Ryo Aeb, and uh, Ryo Mizunami against Aja Kong. I- I'm a big fan of Aja Kong because I followed Ashian, which was one mm. of her... What was the promotion that she created after All Japan Women's? Um, Yuka Sakazaki and uh, Amy Sakura. I'm glad you said those six names. I'm, I'm a puro fan. Of from Aja Kong. So. I can say Aja <laughs> Kong. I'm glad you said those five names. Um, and a very, very good representation of Japanese women's wrestling. I thought it were really, really good, actually. Yeah, I think are, it, it kind of... Are you familiar with Japanese, uh, with female Japanese wrestling to begin with? No. Would so, you like to be after watching that? After watching that, it's something that I'd... I mean, I watch a lot of wrestling anyway, so yeah. to take on more wrestling is just fucking ridiculous, but... It's something that I'd be interested in watching more of if it were going to be on shows. Yeah. I might not necessarily go and seek it out and start following a new promotion, but yeah. if they, I mean, if AEW are going to feature it on pay per views or have like some connection with with the Joshi women on the weekly TV thing, then I'm off that. I'm I'm happy to see like Shida every week or. Uh, maybe not Aja Kong because again Aja Kong's getting a bit old now but some of the other ones yeah. if they're going to be on not every week because I'm, I'm guessing it'll be more like an NXT TV weekly model where you don't you see someone one week and you might not see them again for two or three weeks because you don't overexpose your talent <laughs> sorry I'll, I'll... that's that's going in the swear jar pretty much man yeah. that's, that's up there with it um, but then, you know, if, if you were to jump on YouTube and, and you saw kind of like, oh, you know, there's a, say, a, a, a match from All Japan Women. So, I mean, I, I lost following Joshi Wrestling, Jamie, when um, Ashin closed, and I was a big Ayako Hamada fan, uh, and then uh, All Japan Women closed, Gaia closed, and then you had Ice Ribbon, and mm. it was hard for me to keep up, but... Um, it, Say you were on YouTube, just like casually watching a couple of matches, and then that came up, and you recommended. Oh yeah, I'd watch give it. Give it a go. So yeah, I'd give so it a go. It did its job, really, didn't it? Yeah. It introduced people to a form of wrestling, much like the opening six man tag did. Yeah, I'm sure there there probably are people out there that there's obviously people that are already into the Joshi women's wrestling mm. that loved it, and I'm sure there's people out there that 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 will have made them go and actually find the promotion that, that these women wrestle for and, and sign up to an on-demand service or, or whatever and find more of it. And that's fantastic. Like I said, if I didn't watch already about six or seven promotions worth of wrestling, a lot, I'd pro- I probably would go and actually watch it more often, but it's it's just too much wrestling. to. Like I say, if it's going to be on AEW Weekly or it's going to be on the pay-per-views and they're going to feature it that way, fantastic. I'm all for it. They were brilliant. I thought they came. It felt a little bit quiet when they first came out. The crowd seemed a little bit like not into it. Yeah, like people. Yeah, but the suit that this they got the crowd invested in about two or three minutes with some of the stuff that they were doing, and the fucking mental. Yeah, her in orange pants when she jumped over the top rope. But that was a Yuka Sakazaki, wasn't it? And then you had Emi Sakura doing her like. Yeah. That doing would, a Freddie yeah. Mercury bit yeah, and everyone stomping and clapping along. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was Kenny Omega who was looking to focus more yeah, on he, bringing Joshi over. To so, give them a showcase, yeah. So if you've had 
the Young Bucks wanted to push the tag division yeah. and gather an interest in tag wrestling in AEW. Well, that gets a big tick. And if you've got then Kenny Omega, who's looking to focus on bringing uh, the, the women's wrestling along with Brandy Rhodes over, mm-hmm. uh, that gets a big tick. Um, do you reckon Cody's just maybe focusing on that kind of sports entertainment side of things? You know, I think Cody's going to focus more on probably the storytelling Which side is of a things. big thing that Dusty used to focus on yeah. then. I think Cody is very into your storytelling and using a, using a match to tell a story. And uh, after this break, we'll be talking about the final three matches. And uh, my God, what a story Cody and Dustin definitely definitely demonstrated so we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back shortly welcome back final three matches of the show Uh, up until this point jamie if you uh, were interested no matches have gone over the 20 minute mark no the longest match was uh the battle royale which ran at 16 minutes um, but yeah, Cody versus uh, Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, so I think... Go on. No, you need to talk about the the entrance for Cody. Yeah, so I'll get to the entrance in a sec. I think this is where it really sort of stepped up a gear. Yeah. I think everything up to this point were good, but nothing really great. And then this is where they really stepped it up a gear and they said, right, this is what we're about and this is what we're going to be doing. But in in that respect, then Jamie, isn't that a testament to the pacing of the pay per view? Yeah. Like there wasn't burnout. Like people were like, "Oh, what's going to happen next?" You know, good, 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 solid matches. Yeah. Instead of like, here's an amazing, here's Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins to open WrestleMania. Yeah. And then burn out the fucking crowd until like the next big kind of match. Yeah, well, that's WWE have sort of done their pay per view system, like sort of the book the matches that way for quite a few years now, where you kind of have a big opening match and then they just bore everybody to death for about five hours and then try and get you excited again right at the end. Yeah. Whereas, like, I mean, if you look at like boxing cards and things like that, it's you start off with quite a, a small match and and then the next match has more excitement and then the next match you, you're looking forward to that one and then it gets a bigger match and then you get a bigger match and then you get like your your sub main event and then you get your big main event boxing match it's like and each match builds up as the card gets there and I don't think they necessarily did that because they had the Joshi match which right before Cody yeah. dusted which not shitting on them but no, no, no. nobody we knew no, not many people had really known who they were or anything like that so it wasn't each match was building they did sort of put that match in there as a bit of a break just yeah. to give people a bit of a rest but it's but the crowd still got invested in it and and the women got everybody invested in it so it still kind of did build up a little bit yeah but yeah the pacing were pretty much spot on in regards to like so this is where it took a step up and and they sort of switched gears now and said this is where we're going but and it all started with Cody's entrance <sighs> so shots fired yeah, I mean, he did a he did a little interview afterwards where he was talking about it, and and he did kind of say that it wasn't necessarily like at Triple H. It were more him indicating that he wants to he doesn't want to be like an executive vice president. He wants to be an in ring talent. Yeah, who is also an EVP. So 
I feel you could have done that a different way. It, it was clearly a shot at Triple <laughs> yeah, H. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a Triple H throne. Yeah. It had the independent cross on the back, which is Triple H's cross. Yeah. It's a throne, which we've seen him sitting in. It had skulls around it, which we know is the Skull King. And then Brandy went and got a sledgehammer from under the ring. Brandy got the sledgehammer as well. Yeah. Where Steph's got the sledgehammer for Triple H in, in the past and given him it. And then he walked up and smashed it and it blew up. So, yeah, it were obviously... Shots fired at Triple H, and I don't. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's a good thing. I'm not. I'm not sat here quite like going like, oh yeah, go on, Cody. Fuck Triple H. Fuck WWE. Yeah. Like yeah, go on. Like I'm a little AEW fanboy. I think it's good in the sense that, all right, shots fired means we're probably like it's going to bring the best out of WWE. They're going to retaliate now, even if Vince were Triple H. Triple H will retaliate. Yeah. And do something. So you're going to get those little bits where it's... Wrestling's going to come good again. It's going to be a pretty mind-blowing Toronto takeover then, isn't it? If Triple H... If his way of getting some form of retribution is to put on the best possible NXT show, then that's brilliant. Not taking well, one jabs next, in the product or anything like that. Week? There's one next week in Connecticut. It's TakeOver 25 in Connecticut. Oh, Jesus. Like the base of WWE. So if, if you realistically think that Triple H isn't going to do something at TakeOver 25 that that re, that does something, references AEW, puts them down, makes them look stupid, does a little skit like that, or some, but something's going to happen yeah. at that. Vince might not. And then obviously we've seen Raw and, and SmackDown not getting into it too much, but he hasn't really done anything. Apart from not giving us wrestling for an hour. Yeah, there were a weird mention of <laughs> yeah. AEW. By Sami Zayn. Yeah, which were weird. Because they didn't put them down. No. They just mentioned them. And that was scripted. Well, at one point Meltzer said it was scripted. Alvarez said that it wasn't scripted. And so and it was scripted. It was they're scripted. now thinking that that's going to be a case where whatever leak is happening, they're trying to weed that out now. Mm. It's a theory that um, uh, Reddit or the subreddit Squared Circle are talking about. Um, but look, we're taken away from just how fantastic the match was. Dustin yeah. Rhodes, there were reports that Triple H said, oh, you can get rid of Dustin because, you know, he's, he's past his use-by date. Mm. And uh, sorry, Trips, how wrong you were because yeah. he was a, a man possessed during that match. We had use of blood. Boy, did we have use of blood. That yeah. would be a nine on the Muta scale, to be oh, honest that with you, that, that was like Stone Cold Bret Hart, WrestleMania 13 yeah, levels. Yeah, it, it, was... it, it was up there, Eddie JBL. Yeah. Like, that Eddie Blade job was, was particularly brutal. Yeah. But it, it just added a, the dynamic, and I know that there are, there's a train of thought where... You know, adding a bit of colour into a match just enhances how dramatic the mm. match is. And this is a, a good case book example of how it works. You had the older generation yeah. bleeding but still battling through against somebody that wanted to kill off the Attitude Era. Yeah. Uh, you know, as Cody mentioned well, in his promo work. That's what it worried. We're all about killing the Attitude Era. It's all the little nuances. They were fighting... Dustin Rhodes, who is known as Gold Dust, who was a massive part of the Attitude Era. Yep. We had Blood, which was a massive part of the Attitude Era. We had Earl Hebner as the referee. Yep. That's the only match Earl Hebner refereed 
And you had JR on commentary. Yeah, and you had, it, the, you had the classic trope as well of a manager getting involved and then being ejected. And being ejected. It was the it was an attitude era match, and that's what it it was the whole throwback to that. And and it would Cody went over and Cody beat him because he killed the attitude era. And it it's those little things. It's those like little nuances in wrestling. Like I said, like Earl Hebner. It's the only match Earl Hebner refereed. It's just the nuance of of having. Hebner there, with JR on commentary, like I said, the blood, the, like you said, Brandy getting involved, all those things, it was an Attitude Era match. And they had all the other little throwbacks as well, like when Cody did the the Stardust, where he did the, the, the cartwheel and then the, where he moves his, his hands from in front of his face sideways. So he, he did the he did the Stardust thing. Um, Gold du- Dustin obviously went for Shattered Dreams yep. in the corner, which led to Cody pulling the, the, the cover off and then Dustin threw it into the crowd. So someone that were, I thought that was brilliant that the Excalibur bit after that where he just went that's going on eBay yeah like just <laughs> quick little witty remarks like that from commentators as, as well is fantastic I, yeah. I love that stuff I think it's brilliant um, and it, that's kind of shows like what Michael and Corey Graves and and they they don't really do that they don't pick up on the little things well, I mean, and, and sort of discuss what's happening in the ring as I much. mean I think that's also if you look at NXT commentary with um, Mora Ranallo yeah. and everyone, um, it seems that they've got a bit more freedom to do things that are a lot more off the cuff rather yeah. than kind of like the main brand. You don't seem to have that kind of freedom, which I guess is understandable because if you've got Vince yelling down your yeah. ear, telling you, no, you have to focus on this part. Um, yeah, the, the nuances in that match... Um, it was a 22-minute match. It didn't feel like it was just, this is dragging on, you know. No. Um, even the kind no, even of... Like, the pacing rest, of the match. Yeah, right. even, you know, like you mentioned, yeah, definitely the pacing. The rest holds were all, you know, well-timed, you know, just to feed off the crowd. Um, the ending, just absolutely perfect. One out of, like, Dusty's handbook, you know. Yeah. The break in the voice where, I don't need a friend, I need my big brother, which was just an emotional moment. Mm. A lot of people are saying that was match of the night. I would be inclined to agree. Uh, for me, it was match of the night. Yeah. Not just being an Attitude Era kid. Just, the, like I said, the storytelling in it and, and everything and the little nuances and, and the bit at the end were... Like you say, it was it was it was just fantastic. It was just with what he said. I shed a tear listening to that. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched that and I shed a tear. I'm like, <laughs> when if you can make people, I think he said it in his in his interview afterwards as well because people said there that there were people crying in the audience. It, if you can make people laugh, if you can make people angry, if you can make people boo you if you're a heel. That's good. If you can make people fucking cry, you know you people are emotionally invested. In that, and it's not just because it's again, th- none of this is just because it's not WWE. No, it's nothing to like. I couldn't give a shit if WWE had never existed and AEW were in, were here now, I'd feel exactly the same way because it was just it were a good wrestling match that were built really well brother versus brother, generation versus generation. That Cody's reasoning in his promo, wanting to kill the attitude era, Dustin's promo after afterwards. It was just fantastic. It was just what wrestling is supposed to be. I mean, at Starcast, Dustin said that, you know, he had people come up to him and saying that you were absolutely brilliant, you know, like you've, you've not missed a beat, you know, just praising him. And he asked them if they were kidding. 
I mean, I believe it was at the StarCast Q&A that a whole bunch of people then stood up and gave him like a standing ovation because of just how great a match that was. Mm. So he's still got it. Maybe he's doing that DDP yoga. I'm not too sure, yeah. man. Because we got a DDP sighting as well in that we match, did. which yeah, is DDP. brilliant. <laughs> yeah, DDP just came out and just picked Brandy up and, and carted her off because she wouldn't leave. <laughs> I was like half expecting him to fucking yeet Brandy across the ramp, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that that was match of the night. And if that is the kind of product that AEW are going to provide in terms of like combining the sports entertainment style storytelling with the in-ring product, then fucking hell, there's something magical, man. There's yeah. definitely something magical. Um, Bret Hart's just appeared on our TV set. Uh, we'll Good timing. Quickly flip into that. Um, we had the unveiling of the AEW title, which we've already talked about, um, but what yeah. we really should talk about were some of the appearances from some of the workers that came out. Now, of course, um, Bret Hart, uh, from what was reported, was the stand-in because originally it was meant to be Ric Flair. Yeah. Which would make sense because Ric Flair was an NWA-era worker, much like Dusty was, and if AEW were going to go down that NWA-style approach, would have been nice, but Ric had surgery, had an operation, he's recuperating. Mm. Don't know if Brett would have been the best person to bring out. He seemed very shaky, man. He did. You could, you could tell he didn't really sort of know what was going on or yeah. that thing. And, and like I, I said to our last one, I was talking about and explaining to her that it w- it was nice to see Bret Hart, but at the same time, not in a bad way. It, it's in a in like a compassionate way. You get to the point where you you don't want to see these guys like no, struggling you... to talk and things like that. On it's the same thing with like the Undertaker. It's I love the Undertaker. I don't want to see him wrestle now. He's 50-something years old. No. Like, I don't want to see The Undertaker practically die in the ring. I'd rather listen to him sitting down with someone and do a podcast and telling stories about everything that's happened over the 30 years that he's been in the business. Which he would have done had Vince not thrown a contract at him. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that now is where The Undertaker is ready to go to. He is ready to retire from in-ring and he's ready to go and start doing these star-cast things and all that sort of stuff like that. And Vince has obviously thrown the contract at him because he doesn't want the mystique of the Undertaker to to die, and he wants he's the greatest character that Vince ever created. He wants to keep it, but the Undertaker, the character of the Undertaker, has been dead for about ten years. But since he got Instagram and Twitter, <laughs> he's dead. Like it's not a mystique anymore. When he, when he appears next year on LA Inc. or one of those television shows, you yeah, know, you know, now as fans, you want you want to hear his stories. But we had um, Adam Page come out because he yeah. is going to be the first contender for the AEW title. We'll yeah. get to the second contender uh, towards the end of the podcast. Um, but yeah, it was very interesting who else came out. MJ, uh, MJF. He was, made himself look like a fucking superstar. He's the fucking. He was the MVP of the event for me. I mean, Cody and Dustin match of the night, of course. But in terms of who everybody was talking about, aside from Mox. It was MJF. Apparently, throughout the entire weekend, he never broke kayfabe. No, he is an absolute fucking superstar. There was was a report, Jamie, that he was... I think it was an interview that he was about to conduct with um, Chris Van Vliet. Yeah. 
and he went, I'll just hold on a minute. And he walked up to a window and there was a subway or something like that. And a fan was there and he looked up and MJF just went, fuck you. And then walked away. <laughs> <laughs> again. It's, just, it's just brilliant. Like it's the, the way that he talks, I mean, just the, again, it's nuances and the little things like they're just the, taking the mick out of Brett. Yeah. Like the whole like, oh my God, Brett, there's a fan. Ah, I'm just winding you off. It's just like, God, you're such a fucking prick. Yeah, but he's the, such a prick heel. But it works so well because yeah. he's he treads that line between chicken shit heel, like especially when everyone, you know, mm. the uh, other two members of the roster came out. Um, he just plays it so well, but at the same time, it's not too chicken shit no. where it's just, uh, who's the best example I can give? Elias would be a good example, yeah. you know. Elias can be a chicken shit heel, like I'm just going to back away from mm. it. You know, it was like a Seth Rollins kind of chicken shit heel. Like, you know, he he could, you know, throw down. Yeah. But at the same time... So when Owens were champion and Owens were going through his, his chicken shit heel phase, like, we know that Owens can fucking murder you if he wanted to, but he just runs off at every opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Just... Uh, then you had the Jungle Boy come down. Yeah. And then after that, you had uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Havoc. Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Havoc come yeah. down as well. And it almost seemed like they were building up programs or alluding to programs, you yeah. know? So you could have, like, Adam Page, if he doesn't win the title, he's going to end up feuding with MJF. That's a given. Um, an Adam Page-MJF program that can be built up. But while Adam Page is chasing for the title, you can have, like, a nice, simple MJF versus... Jungle Boy feud, you know. Yeah. I honestly think that Jimmy Havoc, they're going to save and give him to Mox. Uh, yeah, I if, think... If Mox goes over Havoc, I can be happy with that, as long as Havoc looks a million fucking bucks. I think they'll probably keep him in sort of simple stuff at first. You might see some with maybe Tommy Dreamer, that type of thing, play into his hardcore deathmatch yeah. side of things, just to sort of establish him as that type of person. But then... I think going forward, you'll start to see him in more serious things. Like it won't, there won't be death matches. There'll be normal singles, one-on-one matches. That yeah. Because he can wrestle. He can. He can I mean, wrestle that was really well. Whole... And, and that was the thing when, on the road to Double or Nothing when the when they sort of re- announced that he'd been signed. Yeah. Was they, they said that, didn't they? Like They put the video up and it was Cody that said, or it were the, the, Cody's assistant, I can't remember what it's called, but Cody's assistant said, like, the death match, Jimmy Havoc? And Cody was sort of like, he's more than just a death match. He's, yeah. So, yeah, the, you can see that they definitely want to portray him as not just this death match guy, yeah. but a guy that can actually wrestle. More of an ECW and, kind of guy, maybe? Yeah, that type like, of thing. Dabbles in the hardcore, but has also got a very strong scientific wrestling Yeah, he can wrestle. He's just into his hardcore stuff as well. But he's just not all death match. But, yeah, the, like, the multi-sort of person feuds and storylines and things like that, that that look like they're setting up, that's... That's the greatest thing. Because like you said, if you're going to have Hangman Page chasing the title, yeah, or or if Jericho wins the title, and, and then so then Page chases him, but then you've got MJF sort of chasing Page, and then you might have Jungle Boy chasing MJF. You yeah. get all the different feuds, and you get five or six different people involved in one feud picture. Which is definitely akin to the Attitude Era again. Yeah, and again, that's what... Not wanting to just recreate the Attitude Era, but back then is what we had, because you had multiple top-level guys. So you didn't just have The Rock versus Stone Cold. 
for four weeks, four weeks of build, and then they have a match at a pay per view. Yep. And then they have four weeks of build, and then they have the second match at the pay per view, and you get fifty fifty booking, so the other person wins, and then they just have a blow off match on Raw the day after or something like that, and then that's it, and then it's just right now we'll set up the next person, and it's a one on one field, and nobody ever really sort of gets involved or does other things. But like I said back then it worked. There were Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, Undertaker, Kane. Mankind. Big show, Mankind. I mean, I remember at um, King of the Ring 1998, like, the at the end of it, you had Stone Cold versus Kane, but Undertaker and Mankind all got involved, and yeah. it just became, like, a very well-interwoven kind of series of angles that set up, well, you know, mm-hmm. as, as Undertaker in cahoots with Kane, is Mankind still going to be affiliated with Kane, given the fact that... He's just been thrown off a fucking cell by the Undertaker, you know. Yeah. What What Stone Cold gonna do? Is he gonna band up with Mankind because you know that there's a kind of begrudging kind of respect going back to the dude love uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin tag team, you know. Yeah. And if we're gonna get that with AEW, man, WWE creative had better step on it very quickly. And yeah. again, I don't want to dick on WWE, but it's kind of hard when. AEW presented this and there's little kind of insights into what we could expect with the TV products, you know. Um, Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. Young Bucks retained the AAA World Tag Team Championship. Yeah. Um, again, it was just a showcase for the kind of tag team wrestling yeah. that we can expect. Have the Young Bucks ever had a bad match? I don't think so. Pro- probably at some point, like early on in Not the career. Not that I want to know about. Yeah, probably, like I say, probably <laughs> early on in the career, some that when they were probably doing backyard stuff, they might yeah. have had a bad match. But I, I don't think anything I've ever seen them in is bad. It, it it got a little spot festy at the end. It did feel a bit like it was just spot fest after spot after spot after spot after spot to but, kind of show off what they could do. Yeah, but, but I mean that's what we've kind of come to expect with the Young Bucks a little bit. And yeah. it's the, and, and the Young and Bucks, it's the Lucha Bros as well. So yeah. it's, and the Young Bucks are a kind of they're very self they're self aware in mm. terms of wrestling. You know, they know that all right, we get called spot monkeys quite a lot of the time. So let's just play up to that yeah. a little bit. Um, I don't have too much to say about that tag match. I haven't got too much to say. I mean, it, it, were, it was a Young Bucks it were a young, tag match. We've yeah. seen it before. We'll see it again in a couple of weeks in Mexico. And we won't be too d- unhappy that if we do see it again in Mexico, it'll be, it'll you know, be because just they're, as good both, as this one. they're both bloody good tag teams, you know. It's but, like the, um, in progress, we've seen LAX versus CCK three times sort of over the past nine months. Yeah. And again, each one is just fantastic. It's just that kind of thing. It's Young Bucks and Lucha Bros is the LAX and the CCK. Yeah. I, I fucking love to see LAX in AEW. If they leave Impact and come to AEW, if you get Young Bucks, Lucha Bros, Best Friends, well, I mean, like, LAX... That's that's something maybe we can talk about when we round everything uh, out is, you know, potential... Um, you know, talking about little bits and pieces that we could take away maybe prophesizing or forecasting yeah. what happens with AEW next because what's to stop AEW partnering up with, with Impact a little bit if you consider mm. Impact now as a major Canadian promotion rather than a major national promotion mm. what's to stop that happening also remind me I want to talk a little bit about how New Japan might fit into AEW yeah. going forward as well but uh, main event Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega 
I like the Judas effect. It's a simple punishing finisher that you can hit out of nowhere. Fuck Shane McMahon for kind of mocking it on Raw as well. Um, well, Shane... Shane can't fucking wrestle for a start, so... His opinion means nothing. Yeah. The, the Judas effect is... I know we were talking... Last time we had a podcast, we were talking about finishers. And I said, I like finishers that look realistic. Yeah. They happen out of nowhere and look as if they're fucking hurt. And can seriously put you out. If you watch... The what what were it called before the bell or something um, yeah. that they released the all they released it on the all all elite wrestling YouTube channel. It's it's called before the bell double or nothing and it's a little it's about forty five minutes. It's a behind the scenes documentary. Yeah, leading up to the double or nothing, and it kind of follows them and you get bits of like Kenny Omega at his home in Canada training for the match. You get Jericho in a gym with a fighter training for the match, uh, and he goes over it in that and he discusses it. And even in MMA, a spinning back elbow is one of the most brutal moves that you can do to someone. Yeah. Because the back of your elbow is hard as fuck. So even in a legitimate fighting sport, a spinning back elbow is considered quite a brutal move. So I'm I'm pretty sure in wrestling we can suspend our belief enough yeah. to say, well... It's a spinning back elbow. It's probably going to fucking hurt. Well, I mean, like, what would people expect Jericho it... to bust out? I mean, like, he is still knocking out one of the finest, you know, springboard moonsaults at the age of 48 as well. I mean, he's, he's never going to pull off, like, a, a phoenix splash or anything no. like that. I think what makes it better is it's, it's completely coincidental, but it played into it perfectly, the fact that Kenny broke his nose. Yeah, and he went about the match, most of the match... Going, you know, wrestle for about twenty minutes with a broken nose. Broken nose. So if you, so if the other person has a finisher, which is a spinning back elbow into your nose and it's broken, it's probably going to put you down for a three count. Yeah, so. pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> it, it combined a little bit of American wrestling with Japanese wrestling as well. Yeah. The table spots. I'm sure uh, Simon Miller. Yeah. That's why I'm <laughs> sure uh, you know he mentioned about how they use the table more as they do in Japan rather than yeah. in North American wrestling. Um, Jericho went over. Um, I think it's the right move. If Jericho is going to be the first AEW champion, it's a fantastic way to then have like the faces chase after this arrogant heel, and we know that Jericho plays the arrogant heel. Yeah. So very well. I think Jericho going over is not only the right choice for AEW as a whole, because I th- Jericho's going to go on and Jericho's going to win that title and he's going to be the first AEW champion. Because yeah. who else would you want? If you're starting a new promotion, who else would you want as your first champion other than Chris Jericho? People know Chris Jericho. Casual fans know Chris Jericho. Uh, you know, my wife Maeve's just in the kitchen. Maeve? Uh-huh. You do you know Chris Jericho? Yeah, I do. There you go. <laughs> exactly. If I was here, he'd be like, "Oh no, Chris Jericho." You yeah, know, everyone exactly knows so. Chris. So why would you not want to have your first champion to build the product? Build, build, build it around Chris Jericho. Yeah, and it's he's capable. He can still go at it. You can have some really good defenses. Like, yeah, you, know, you could have. Jericho versus Dustin would be a nice little callback to the yeah. Attitude Era. Um, you can have uh, then Jericho versus Joey Janela. Yeah. Um, save have... Jericho marks. Uh, yeah, I'd yeah. save Jericho marks for something else. But yeah, and uh, as well, 
you've got to look at it from the other aspect of things, which it is wrestling, yep. and it is predetermined. Yep. And the Young Bucks won. Yeah. Cody won. Yeah. Hangman won the Battle Royal. Yeah. Well, if Kenny won... Then it's gonna look it, it like looked a bit typical like WCW booking. Yeah, it's Nash just oh, we were just book. booking, all, we were just booking ourselves to win all the matches. So, but the other ones made sense though as well because it made sense for the Young Bucks to win yep. because again they're fighting each other in Mexico in a couple of weeks' time. So that's the the Lucha Bros will probably win the titles back in yep. Mexico at that point. From a drama standpoint, it made sense for Cody to win and then ask his brother to tag up with him for, is it Fighter Fest, which yeah. is going to be um, the tag match? No, I think it's Fight for the Fallen, because Cody's, Cody's fighting Darby Allen at Fighter Fest. That's right, so, so it is it, Fight for the Fallen. It's a Fight for the Fallen. Yeah, so it made sense. <gasps> I didn't really, I'll get into that in a moment, because then we're just going off on a tangent. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Mox came out. Yeah, so that worked. Yeah, because it was a work, wasn't it? It was a work that he was leaving the WWE. It was one big work. And then we're going to talk about it next week when you've listened to the podcast in full about the talk is Jericho. Yeah. It's called The Emancipation of John Moxley. Right. Okay. Uh, it's uh, all on the dirt sheets, all on Squared Circle. Um, it, And like I mentioned at the start of the show, it is on the level of cult CM Punk. But um, we'll listen to that and talk we about it a bit more. It yeah, we, we did, knew. man. And, and that's not me being like a smirky, like, oh, I fucking told you so. Go back, listen, five weeks ago. Yeah, when we were talking about the when, the, when the, it, when the it, first promo, which, do you know who filmed that, Vinette? No. Sick Nick Mondo. Really? Old CCW oh. alumni, you know. He's a great well, director, man. He's done, If you've got Amazon Prime, he's done a, a show called, he's done a movie called, I believe it's called The Trade. Yeah. Which talks about how he influenced a deathmatch wrestler and he doesn't want that person to be involved in deathmatch wrestling. Uh, it's great. Nick yeah. Mondo doesn't get the love he deserves, man, That's as a cool. director. Um, but yeah, yeah, Mox came out. Everyone was, knew, knew he were coming out, huge, which were brilliant. Jer- Jericho pop. just being American Jericho and, and being fantastic. Yep. The, the, the angle where he just turned around and you could just see Jericho just point him and say, what are you doing here? That were fantastic. Like it's a brilliant, brilliant Jericho. Obviously, dirty deeds on on Jericho, and then in, and then it looks like we're getting a Mox Omega rivalry or some or, or they're definitely hinted towards yeah, it. Yeah, they definitely hinted. So if Jericho and Page are going to be feuding for the title, Mox and Omega definitely going to be a decent feud there. We might get maybe, well. I, the reason why I, I, I was shocked and you know, if I, is that I'm just looking at the Fighter Fest uh, card so far. And uh, if you watch the latest Be in the Elite, uh, at the end of it, they had a moment where it was both Janela and Mox just staring at each other. Mm. No words needed to be changed. You could automatically tell they don't like each other. And so, uh, surprise, surprise, um. On Fighter Fest, Saturday, June 29th, Moxley versus Joey Janela's been booked. Fantastic. So again, he's bringing Mox in, not not just banging him straight in title picture. You know, not having him come out and, and attack Chris Jericho and then doing some stupid bullshit angle where you work Moxley into the... Or you turn it into a triple threat, so you get Hangman Page versus Jericho versus Moxley. Like bring him in, let him do smaller matches at first against Janela... Build up some wins. We know that wins and losses are going to matter in AEW. So yes. it can't it can't just be in, injected straight into the title scene. He's got to get some wins to get there. 
So now, Mox's appearance, I don't think it overshadowed the entire event. There were no? some occasions in wrestling promotions where a big acquisition comes in, and that's all anybody talks yeah. about. Now, admittedly, a lot of people are talking about Mox because, as much as we knew it was going to happen, it was going to be the biggest talking point. Yeah, but it still hasn't overshadowed the you know the in ring product. I don't think it overshadowed anything. No, I mean, I mean we're still saying that Cody and Dustin was one of the standout. Things of the of the night, yeah, and we're saying MJF was MVP and the Josh merch and everything, you know. So it just added that that right as ridiculous as an analogy as this may sound. Okay, just imagine that uh, double or nothing was a really nice meal, and Mox comes along. That's just the the sriracha, yeah, just the spice that you want, a bit of extra seasoning, yeah, and uh, you know it. It was a fantastic pay-per-view. It wasn't without its problems, like we mentioned, commentary, uh, you know, a slight bit of disarray with the Battle Royal. Like I said, teething problems. Like, yeah. we missed out on um, Jimmy Havoc stapling a cigarette to Joey Jinlow's head. Yeah. So Which would have been perfect. Little, little production teething problems, little commentary teething problems, all that type of thing. I mean... Like I say, it, it kind of got better by the end of it. They kind of seemed to understand what they were getting at. Cody, yeah. Cody said before in his Road to Double or Nothing stuff in his interviews that production is kind of new for him. So, I think Fighter Fest. I don't well. I don't know if there's an, they've announced anything about Fighter Fest being streamed or or anything. So I'm um, just having a look now for Fighter Fest. I mean, it's been it's being co-produced with um, CEO. Which yeah, Kane's always yeah. like been a, yeah. a big proponent of. Um, I do not know if it's going to be on pay per view or if CEO are going to stream it. Yeah. Um, four matches announced. I mean, like they already announced J uh, G Bailey against Michael Nakazawa in a hardcore match. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Cody versus Darby Allen, uh, Mox versus Joey Janela. Now, also a six man tag: The Elite, which is Kenny, Matt, and Nick against the Lucha Brothers and Pack. Yeah, so... Whether that's still going to go ahead? Well, they're advertising it. So you'd think if the whole story was Pac quit, why would they still have Pac now? Because I'm pretty sure they've announced that match after. I mean, he doesn't want a job. The it's, whole thing happened yeah. between him and Hangman, so... He doesn't want a job, though, is, is, the, is yeah. basically what, this, what the dirt sheets are reporting... Yeah, Can so you blame the, him because he's I mean, the Dragon the, Gate champion, though? So Yeah, they all sort of reported that it were creative differences and because he didn't want to lose and stuff like that. Now, I can understand why he wouldn't want to lose. Yep. He is, the like you've just said, he's Dragon Gate champion. He wants to go out there and prove himself as a champion and ensure that Dragon Gate is a worthy promotion, he's a worthy champion of this promotion. I mean, it wouldn't look all that great if the champion of the Dragon Gate promotion just lost to someone on AEW. Because then that's just saying like, oh, well, your top talent, one of your top talents in this company is better than Dragon Gate because he beat the champion for Dragon Gate. So it makes sense why Pac doesn't want to lose. I mean, has anyone mentioned also that the way that um, OWE, how Shima... Uh, our strong hearts basically 
they left Dragon Gate, and it was quite an acrimonious split as well. Mm. Has anyone mentioned the fact that maybe Dragon Gate did not want to get involved because of OWE's involvement? Possible. Love it. I think with what's what's happening at the moment, AEW coming along, WWE, Ring of Honor, TNA, Impact. There's there's obviously a lot of wrestling politics going on. Yeah. Currently, especially over the last two years, and I think that that will carry on. So it could be simply that OWE are there. They used to be at Dragon Gate. We don't want Dragon Gate to be associated with. Anything sort of OWE are doing. So, that, that could be it. And so, I wanted to talk about New Japan. Now, we know that Mox is going over and fighting yeah. Juice Robinson on the June 5th show. Yeah. So, uh, apparently, the deal with um, Mox and New Japan was done before he signed a contract with AEW. And it's uh, apparently a similar deal... Uh, that Jericho has got, where right. Jericho is, if I remember correctly, it's until AEW starts its televised programming that he's free to work in New yeah, Japan. Yeah, so Tony Khan talked about this again in an interview. So he's basically said, until the TV deal, TV deal starts in the fall, yep. probably October, that they can go work wherever they want. But as soon as like the weekly TV deal starts and, the, and there's a weekly TV show on, then... The sort of exclusive to AEW then. But the New Japan Ring of Honor deal, I'm not too sure when that's going to finish. We know that New Japan said that they're going to remain loyal to Ring of Honor, but mm. how long? Because Ring of Honor don't have as big of a television deal as no. AEW. We know that New Japan want to move into the North American market a bit more. Yeah. Um, Would it be silly of New Japan not to maybe negotiate with AEW who will have not only a significant television coverage in the United States, but significant enough now that ITV4 will be screening um, Tuesday Night Dynamite? Do you think New Japan might be now thinking, yeah, maybe we should be teaming up with AEW a bit more? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I would. It's it's obviously going to come down to sort of the again the nuances of like the contracts and things like that because there's AEW are obviously teamed up with AAA, yes. showcasing that, and then your your Ring of Honor New Japan contract has CMWL. Yep. In it. And CMWL and AAA do not like each other no, one bit. They don't like each other. New Japan also work with Rev Pro, in Britain. Yep. So again. Do Rev Pro want New Japan to be on ITV on British TV? Where on with AEW when they work with Rev Pro and Rev Pro don't have a British TV deal. So for me, New Japan teaming with AEW would probably be the better option because, as we said, it's it's a British TV deal. So they'll also break the British market. Yep. But they'll also break the American market with more views on it, more eyes on it. It's obviously bigger. It's a bigger company to get involved with and maybe combat WWE a bit more if they want to do that. And, I mean, it's the Elite, so they've obviously got that working relationship with them. How long were the Elite in Japan? But then the uh, the Young Bucks, in an interview, kind of shat on New Japan a mm. bit when they said that, well, they didn't know what to do with us, you know. And there's always a lot of grief that the Bucks get from, I don't know, uh, wrestling we... fans about how... Well, they're marks for themselves, but 
they're really, really good at what they do. It's so yeah, good at what they do. Bret Hart was a mark for himself, but like Shawn Michaels is on TV. Shawn Michaels is a mark for himself. The best guys have confidence and they know when and and how they should be being utilized. That's why Moxley has gone to AEW because he wasn't being used properly. Yeah. In WWE, so. But I think it's going to get to that point anyway. With, with any sort of with team or anything, like, yeah, New Japan didn't know what to do with the books. Is it New Japan's fault? I don't really think it was New Japan's fault. I think it's just they've done everything. And I think with New It's J- like the Usos in WWE. Well, the Usos have done everything. What's left for them to do? Well, I think with New Japan also that their emphasis is more on their junior division. Uh, mm. Their emphasis always seems to be more on the singles division rather yeah. than the tag division, you know? I mean... As far as I'm concerned, they neglect the junior heavyweight tag division. Yeah. And uh, by extent, the tag division is normally kind of like... It was at one point a holding pattern between Gorillas of Destiny, um, the KES, and then it was either the Young Bucks or it would be uh, any combination of chaos like Ishii yeah. and Goto or Shibata and Goto, you know. Well, again, um, that's like WWE with before before Sheamus went out injured, but it was like the Bar, the Usos, and the New Day. And and now, I mean, they split up Rude and Gable, didn't they? Yeah, don't know why. Are we getting into this in WWE? Which fucking <laughs> yeah. But, but it's that sort of thing. So I think with the books, like yeah, they're kind of shot on New Japan. I don't really think it was New Japan's fault. I think it was just that the books had got to a point where. There wasn't really anything for them to do no, much they've in, been, in New Japan. So they've been junior heavyweight and they've been heavyweight and they've been um, uh, never open weight trios champions. Yeah, what more was there for them to do? You know. Yeah, it's it's like with any sort of job that it gets to a point where you have to maybe go somewhere else or explore other avenues to to continue progressing because you will eventually just achieve everything. You know, it's. I mean, yeah, they could have just kept them in New Japan. And what would have been like, oh yeah, we're the 20 times tag team champions now because it's just flipping between us and Gorillas of Destiny. And the uh, other fallout from everything, I mean, Mock's interview aside, you know, um, Dustin talking about how he thought that people were joking. Mm. Um, was um, Kenny being interviewed about Ibushi signing with AEW and then Kenny crying, basically saying that no, because if he did that, then Abushi wouldn't be able to fulfil his dream of winning the IWGP heavyweight title. Yeah, Abushi said that he's not leaving Japan, as well. So, and that were, I think that were about a month ago. That report came out where he's he's basically said like, I'm never leaving. This is I'm staying here forever. So, like, it could be a work. It could be oh, it's wrestling. So, never believe anything a wrestler says. No. But at the moment then it's not looking like he's going anywhere because for now, he's committed his future to New Japan. I'm not going to lie. I am slightly surprised that Omega won't be one of the first challenges for the for the world title. But again, it's a good thing going back to how you were saying that bookers booking themselves into enviable positions. I think, again, it's just them sort of recognising that Omega doesn't need to be involved. They've got stars. They've got stars in Hangman Page. They've got stars in MJF. Like I say, yeah, you're gonna, you're, they're going to put it on Jericho first, and Jericho is a massive name, but when you do always put your title on a massive name yeah. when you start. You, 
you know, you, you're not going to go out there. As much as I've said in this podcast that he's a fucking superstar, they're not going to go put it on MJF. No. Straight away. Because not many people know who MJF is, so he's not going to draw people to the to the company. And it would kill him. It would kill his character. It would kill the heat if they immediately just hot shot the title to him. Yeah. You want to give him that build. Um, maybe kind of like the third, maybe even the fifth kind of champion. Yeah. I mean, they want to go down the route of how WWF used to be. Yeah. Back in the day when it was, when it was WWF. Whereas, like, they had the mid-card title, like, they had the IC title, where, where Randy Orton, at what, 25 or something, was, like, the youngest person to win the heavyweight title because it were... Well, yeah, young guys don't get shots at the at the World Championship, first of all, because you've got to build yourself up to it. Yeah, and that was... You've got when... to go through, like, your... US European title then you then you build your way up to the IC title and it takes a few more years to, to chase that and you're involved in the, in your mid card and then you get to main event picture when you're a little bit older oh, those were the halcyon fucking days with the IC title I still remember Triple H The Rock in a ladder match for the IC title at SummerSlam yeah. and it, yeah. it, it, it I mean that was when the mid card title meant something didn't it and even, even Jericho in the past has gone on record to say that you know you end up winning that IC title and it sets you up for like a world title run. On the flip side of that, you've also had Cody turn around saying, essentially, fuck paying your dues. That's such an antiquated mm. kind of ideology, which is why hopefully Leo Rush ends up leaving the WWE. Mm-hmm. I think it depends how you look at it. I, don't, yeah. I think in one sense, it's not, it's not so much paying your dues. It's just that thing of it's building someone up. It's them going through the, the, the leagues. You know, it's Lincoln City FC being, non, <laughs> yeah. being non-league football. Yeah. Or Salford FC being non-league football, getting promotion in, into the league, in League Two, and then building the way up to the Premiership. Like, if, if someone just got... If Salford just got a shitload of money and just went, right, we've got enough money, we're in Premier League, they'd get fucking battered. Yeah. They'd, they'd probably lose every single game. In a 38-game season. So if you just shoved someone in the main event picture at 19, 20 years old, it's more realistic that they're just going to get battered. It makes it look more believable that they build the way up. The young talent goes through the, the smaller undercard titles, then you get your mid-card, then you get a top, top main event world heavyweight title. Which is a, why wins and losses in AEW are going to be so integral. Yeah. Um, look, I think that's about it. Jamie's probably going to go and listen to that Talk is Jericho podcast. I am, yeah. <laughs> still still waiting progress for the next uh, night of Super Strong Style 16. They were... Yeah, so it's been, <laughs> no, it's been released. I've started something now, haven't I? It's, just, it's been released. It's just that I watch it through Fire TV and for some reason it's not working. So I can't watch day two. I know who wins, unfortunately. I'm not getting into all no, that no, sort no. Of stuff, I don't want to rag on progress. No, I no. know who wins. I'm glad with who wins. I haven't actually seen day two or day three yet because it's not working properly. But I will try and watch it. Might try and watch it on PS4 because apparently it works on PS4 now. Yeah. Yeah, there were a whole thing that because it's Pivot Share that hosts Demand Progress. There were a whole thing that Sony and Pivot Share didn't talk to each other or or whatever. Because um, I always saw people sort of tweeting progress saying, can you get it to work on the PlayStation? I want to watch it on the PlayStation. And they were always saying, that's up, that's between Sony and Pivotchair, not us. We're kind of the third party in this, yeah. between them two. But apparently now it works on the PS4. So might try it on the PS4 instead of the Fire TV. 
because it might be through the Fire TV that it's not working and it might work fine. But let's, let's, let's not lie to yeah. you know, mm. everyone listening. Next week's going to be predominantly dominated by the uh, John Moxley talk is Jericho. We might have a chat to see what's happened in the world of um, WWE, but more than likely, let's just concentrate a bit more on Brit Riz. Yeah. I think it might be, by next week, TakeOver 25 will have been on. So... We'll have to talk WWE. Um, so look, thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, I've been well, Benji along with Jamie once again. Sorry it's taken us about a week. Things happen. Uh, life you know. happens. Yeah, life does happen, you know. Yeah. Um, but look, thanks I've for... Got a, I've got a pregnant girlfriend. Yeah, and You've got mom, a mum that broke her arm. Broke her arm. Life happens. That's, so. that's it, you know. Wrestling uh, does have to wait for some people. <laughs> Um, but look, thanks for tuning in and uh, we will uh, revisit everything with yourselves next week. So until then, have a good one. Goodbye.